This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. you would please turn with me to the gospel of John. Today I want to finish this thought process of unseen love. I told you last week, uh, I knew last week wasn't a shouting, all excited, jump up and down kind of message. It might have even stepped on our toes a little bit. I had to go home and, and rest mine and wiggle them a little bit to get them uncrinkled from where I stepped on my own. Uh, and then I went and preached some fire Sunday evening. Praise Jesus. If you were praying for us, I want to tell you that uh, we had over 250 young people uh, in attendance Sunday night, Sunday evening in Clinton on a nasty, stormy, ugly Sunday night. We had kids uh, set free from things, some awesome moving of God. We had some kids baptizing the Holy Spirit and the altar in front of a casket. Bless the Lord. They were raised from death to life. Amen. But today I want to walk through. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to preach the entire gospel of John, so I don't know how long you have before your Easter gathering, but we're looking at about, I'm well, okay, I'm only going to chapter 19. Okay, so maybe we're not going the whole way. So I've got time to read it if you do. Huh? Am I going to be by myself? That's okay, too. Now, I do want to walk through this gospel. I love John's gospel. It's different than the what we would call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's, it's different. There's some different natures about it, some different things about it. And I, I just love this gospel. I had a professor one time that said, it's a good gospel. It's a good gospel. Like the other three aren't good. You with me? But it truly is. And there's a theme that I want to walk through, and I believe I'm going to get excited and passionate about it in a little while, but honestly, I'm just kind of basking and resting in the presence of the Lord. Is that okay? There's a theme that's all throughout this gospel. And it's a theme of water. There, water is seen all throughout John's gospel over and over. And what my goal to display to you today is, is that anywhere we see water, we see Jesus pouring out a love that is unseen. Okay? So, although it's going to seem random at times, and although it's going to maybe get hard to follow for a minute, and Lord willing, it won't. I don't know, because I don't, you know what? I got a Bible today. That's about all I got, which is all I really need. But I don't really know exactly where we're headed. I know where the end point is, and I know where the starting point is. What I say in the middle, don't hold it against me, okay? You with me? So let's look at this. John chapter 2 is the first place that we witness this theme of water. Jesus has not even began his ministry yet. You hear my voice change? That means it's time to preach. 
I used to think it was crazy when preachers would do that. It was like all of a sudden they grabbed their gear and they went, now I do it. Chapter 2. See, did it again. Jesus and the disciples were invited to this wedding at Cana. No idea why they were invited. It's just the fact that they were invited. I've preached a sermon before. Maybe you've heard it that it said just uh, he was there by invitation. And if you simply invite him in, he changes the whole situation. Okay. Just by the fact he was invited to the wedding, he changed the entire scenario of the wedding in itself. And so we see this miracle take place. The very first miracle It's really changed now. You hear it? Sometimes it's interesting to myself. See, I told you nothing I say in the middle counts against me. This first miracle takes place. Jesus is there, and all of a sudden they run out of wine. Well, this is a huge ordeal. I preached it sometime back. If you were here, great. If you weren't, you can probably find it somewhere online or on YouTube or podcast. But anyway, the point was, because they ran out of wine meant that the groom was already bringing disgrace to the family. Okay? That meant he had not prepared for the wedding feast. He had not prepared for the wedding party. He thought that 50 people were coming, and it ended up more like 250 people showed up. And those numbers are major exaggeration because it was way more than that that actually came to this wedding. And so all week long, this celebration was taking place. And Jesus' mother, who, who we really uh, don't even have named in this moment, the, the mother of Jesus is what we read, said, um, uh, he, she said, hey, Jesus, they have no wine. And in verse 4, he says, woman, what does that have to do? Or what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And mama being mama looks at him and knows who he is and knows what's about to come. And she looks at the servants and says, hey, whatever he says to do, you do it. Do you realize it's a very good idea that whatever Jesus says to do, you do it? I'm going to be real and honest. Many times I don't want to do what Jesus says to do. Ask Micah. I'm just a guy. An ordinary, I mean, I'm just a, uh, To even come to the pulpit this morning. I've had to listen to a song all morning long to tell me I'm more than enough. And Jesus is my Jireh. He's my provider. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And he is enough for me. You with me? I don't always like to do what Jesus says to do. Mama said, do whatever he says to do. He says, take those. What? Throw that up, Carter. Because they ain't got their Bibles open, son. Throw those what? Fill thee. Water pots, jars, water pots of stone with water. The Jones, the, the, the Jones, the, the jars made of stone were actually there as this cleansing ceremony. You were actually to go and purify yourself, to wash, if you will, as some in the house say wash. You were to wash in the water pots. And Jesus said, fill them up with water. And, there, and your word says that they filled those to the brim. And then Jesus says, okay, now, Mr. Servant, take a, a ladle, get you a cup of that, take it to the master of ceremony, to the wedding director, and let them taste and see just how good it is. The master of ceremony said, why in the world are we bringing out the best wine at the end? The best wine should have been brought out at the beginning. Well, it's because what Jesus had had a part of is now better than any man could have ever done on their own. You with me? Jesus saves the day. 
with an unseen love they don't even know. The master of ceremony never knew. The Bible says he did not know what had happened, but the servants did. So what does that tell me, first of all, in this first instance of our, of our conversation today? Well, in, in the process of Jesus saying, hey, take some water, put it in the basin, the water become what Jesus needed it to be to show love to those even though they could not see him. You with me? And it, nobody else had to know. This is the struggle for so many in the church. Nobody had to know that Jesus is the one that created this amazing wine, the best wine of the whole week that it showed up. Nobody had to know. You know who it was that knew? The lowest, the low, the servants. Sometimes being the servant puts you in the know. Sometimes being the one that's at the bottom, sometimes being the one that's in and behind the scenes that, that's doing what has to be done that nobody else wants to do, sometimes that person is the one that actually gets to know what Jesus is actually doing. I got a long way to go. But the main thing is that you see, when Jesus had something to do with the water, there was an unseen love. The next instance is in chapter 4. Jesus is thirsty, so he shows up to the well and I'm going to start in verse 6 for the the time here he's going uh, he departed again to Galilee and verse 6 says now Jacob's well was there Jesus therefore being wearied by his journey which tells us he's man he's tired he's wore out wearied by his journey sat thus by the well it was about the sixth hour and a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered. He said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living what? Water. Here we are again. And this conversation takes place that should never have taken place. And I can picture the disciples showing back up later thinking, what in the world is going on right now? We leave for just a few minutes to make a McDonald's run, and we show back up, and Jesus is hanging out with somebody he's not supposed to be hanging out with. It all started because he asked for a drink of water. And what takes place is he says, actually, lady, if you'd have realized who it is that you're talking to, you would have asked me for the water, and I would have given you water. He goes on. He said, I've got a water that you will never thirst again. The woman says, sir, verse 11, you have nothing to draw with. Like, that's the actual problem. <laughs> he He's the one that is the source of the water in the bottom of the well to begin with. He don't need anything to draw with. But there's an interesting contrast because she showed up with her water pot to get water to take it back, right? Jesus showed up with nothing to draw from the well with, yet he says, I've got water I can give to you. There's something else to that in just a minute. He said, I ought to give you the living water. And he says, whoever drinks, in verse 13, of this water will never thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Uh, they, your water they will thirst, my water they won't thirst. He said, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. 
He's instantly taking this situation with the water that this woman's supposed to be drawing up out of the well. He said, woman, I've got some water that's better than your water. I don't even need a bucket to put it in because the bucket won't contain my water anyway. But what I have to give to you, you will never thirst again. And in fact, it's going to be so good to you. Not only will you not thirst, but it's going to spring back up out of you for people around you to drink from the same water. You with me? And the story goes on. He said, hey, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, I know you've had a bunch of husbands, and the one you're living with now is not even your husband. She's like, who in the world are you? He said, what you don't realize is that you're talking to the Messiah. You're talking to the Son of God. And what's so beautiful is the woman that showed up with a water pot who needed something to draw the water with. Now in verse 28, left the city and left her water, or left for the city and left her water pot at the well. (laughs) She thought she needed a water pot. When she showed up to the well, she did need a water pot because she's drawing up natural water. But now all of a sudden, Jesus, he comes in and he swoops in. Nobody really even knows what's going on. She don't even know who he is. And with an unseen love, he speaks into her life and he gives her something that she couldn't draw from the well. She no longer needs the water pot anymore to draw out of the natural well. Because when Jesus had anything to do with the water, he was participating in an unseen love. You with me so far? Not too scattered and spastic. Bless the Lord. Chapter 5. Hey, it's only 11.46. We got 14 chapters to go. Chapter 5. You know the story. There's a man at the pool of Bethesda. And he's been waiting. Somebody's pinging their phone. And, and, and he's been waiting and... He's been waiting for somebody to come through and stir the waters. The angels would come through and stir the waters. <laughs> I love it. Bless the Lord. This man, they, they believe that they're there at the pool of Bethesda, and there's actually several pools there, and, and they believe that at a certain time an angel would come down, he'd stir the waters, and if you got into the water, you would receive healing. You with me? Doesn't matter whether how it really happened. Doesn't matter whether it was really angels coming down. We ain't even got to get to the whole theological conversation. The point is Jesus showed up and he said, hey, man, you want to be healed? And his response is, I have nobody to put me into the water. The man is still again. Again, we've got another situation. He is there and there's natural water. And he said, my problem is there's nobody to put me into the water. Jesus said, I didn't ask you that question. I feel like there's times that, 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 that Jesus asks something of me and I want to give him these excuses. Do you do that? But God, I can't, I, but God, I can't make that, but God, they did so, because he, I didn't ask you that. The question was, do you want to be healed? You with me? Well, yeah. He said, get up and take your bed and walk. The man stood up and walked off. Because there's this theme all throughout this gospel. Are you seeing it? With water? There's something about water. And here we are again with this natural water. And they're, they're, they, he said, I can't get into the water. Jesus said, forget the water. I am the water. I am the everlasting water that he just told this woman, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. In fact, it will burst up out of you like a, a living water of everlasting life, right? You don't need that natural water anymore. Because I am the water. Then we roll on. Flip the page. 
Here we are in chapter 6. Jesus has just fed a ton of people. And now, in verse 15, it says, Therefore, when, the, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he's talking about the, the Jewish people, they want to make him king, he departed again to the mountain alone by himself to pray. So when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And when it was already dark, Jesus had not come to them. Why? Because sometimes it has to get dark. Sometimes the seasons have to get dark. Sometimes we have to go through mourning to appreciate the joy. You with me? Sometimes it's going to get dark. Sometimes the seas are going to get a little rough. And it says that, that the sea arose, and the sea arose because of a great wind that was blowing. Well, Lord, have mercy. If we roll into Acts, they don't know the end of the book. Me and you know that it's the Holy Spirit that comes like a mighty rushing wind, right? How do we know that it won't the Holy Spirit trying to blow that sea and shake some things up in that darkness of night? And then all of a sudden they look out and they see Jesus walking on the what? Ha <laughs> ha! The thing that was killing them, he's standing on it. You with me? <laughs> I love it. It's a good gospel. He's standing on it. They look out. And, Jesus, is that you? He said, it's I. Don't be afraid. And immediately, they're on the other side of the sea. Huh? Because here again, Jesus is standing on the water. The thing that's hurting them, the thing they're terrified of, the, th the natural water, the sea that's beating and battering their boat. Now Jesus is standing on the water. He's walking on the water and with an unseen love. In the middle of the darkness. Where's, can you imagine what that would have been like to be on that boat? Where's Jesus? You, Peter, you seen him? No, I ain't seen him. He said he was going, he said he was going to be here. Who in the world are we to think we can control the time frame in the calendar of Jesus? Huh? He said he was going to be here. He was there. He was full of love and grace. It was just in an unseen way. Right? They're focused on what's temporary, which is the ocean, the storm, the darkness. And Jesus said, I'm something so much better. I've got an eternal love for you, even if the boat were to have sank. That's our problem. We don't like the storm because we're afraid the boat's going to sink. Who cares if it sinks? That just means instead of me walking on the water, Jesus gets to pull me from the very depth, breathe his air in my lungs, and give me some CPR and raise me back again. You with me? That's good stuff. Amen. And then we roll in to chapter 7. This is interesting. He's promising the Holy Spirit in chapter 7, verse 37. He said, On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and what? Drink. I'm thirsty for natural water. I need some drink. In just a minute, I'm going to have to pick it back up and drink again. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said, he who believes in me, as Scripture said, out of his heart, or some translations say out of his belly, 
will flow rivers of living water. There's so much meat to this. Because just in that one statement, Jesus showed us that we can have fulfillment, but it's not really about us. <laughs> he said, if you're thirsty, if you're, you're dry and you're in this life, you're, you're, you're walking through this depression, you're walking through this addiction, you're walking through these insecurities, life seems to be hopeless, you're sick, you've got these problems. He said, come to me and drink. And you're not going to thirst again. But it gets even better. He said, because if you come to me and drink, not only are you going to be satisfied, not only are you going to be filled, but out of your belly, out of your heart, out of your innermost being are going to flow rivers of living water. That means whatever comes in is actually designed and created to flow back out. It ain't about you, friend. It ain't about me. Healing comes when I drink, but healing really truly comes when I let that flow back out of me to pour into somebody else. You with me? Huh. And things change gears just a little bit. And we make it all the way to chapter 13. And this is when things are majorly shifting in this gospel. We just received communion together. We talked about the Lord's Supper and what actually took place. Also, John's the only one that records this. And John chapter 13 is beautiful. As they were reclined at the table when they finished eating, he said he filled a, look at that scripture, Carter. He filled a what? I know what it says. I just want you to know what it says. Keep going. Keep going. Hang on. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Pour water into a basin. Water, natural, plain old H2O water, right? He's taken off his garment. He's wrapped a towel around his waist. They're reclined at the table. He poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. John's already shown us throughout the entire rest of the gospel. At any time water is present, there's an unseen love. We in agreement of that? Have I convinced you of that yet? I feel like an attorney trying to convince you in my closing argument. You agree? There's something healing and miraculous about water in this gospel. Anytime Jesus had anything to do with water, it was a miracle. This is no different. Well, what do you mean? Well, Said he poured the water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? <laughs> yeah, duh. Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but you will, you will know after this. And Peter said, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus said, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Why? Because there was something supernatural, there was something miraculous about the water that Jesus was using to wash the feet. Right? There was some cleansing. There was forgiveness. There was, there was obviously, we, we preached the whole humility side. We preached Jesus being the servant. And that's there. That's very clear. Down at the end of this, he talks about it. He said, um, he, he goes on and, and he says, most assured, uh, verse 16, Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he uh, who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them. He's talking about being a servant. 
then he says, sorry, Carter, I'm jumping back. In verse 10, he said, he who is bathed only needs to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you're clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. I saw a picture this week, a little graphic, and maybe you saw it. But it said, Jesus knew, but Judas still ate. Let that sink in. Jesus knew, but Judas still ate. I want to take it a step further. Jesus knew, but Judas still had his feet washed. And that is miraculous because we've already established the fact that healing is there. And so what these guys don't see is an unseen love that's present. Because when Jesus begins to wash their feet, what's actually taking place in the unseen is is this cleansing, this forgiveness. He's literally washing their sin. You with me? Because when Jesus touches the water, it's instantly transformed. There's something that takes place that is amazing that we can't understand. That water now changes from natural H2O to this supernatural spirit-filled cleansing power agent of, of water. And so here Jesus is, I can picture it somewhat, where he's going around the table. And he, he's washing, and he, and he gets to Judas. I believe that in that moment, Judas had an opportunity. Would he have? No, because that scripture had to be fulfilled. But I believe in that moment, at that point in time, Jesus or Judas was forgiven. He had to have been. Because if that same healing power that was in the water, that, that transformed, that, that Jesus changed the water into wine. If Jesus, he, he took this Samaritan lady and he said, I'm going to give you living water. The water that I have is not going to make you thirst anymore. It's the same water that he's washing their feet with. Here's where it puts us is that you and I are Judas so often. Huh. <laughs> Maybe it ain't 30 pieces of silver, but maybe it's a relationship or a friendship or a little bad habit we don't want to kick. Or maybe it's a mouth that we can't seem to clean up. I don't know what it is. The point is there's something keeping us from this real relationship with Jesus. Judas wasn't this, I don't believe he was this, this messed up evil dude. He was obviously somewhat trustworthy. They give him the money to keep, right? He had to have been somebody of decent character or else they wouldn't have handed him the money back and said, be the, the money keeper. But yet things weren't going just like Judas wanted. He, Jesus wasn't doing exactly what Judas wanted him to do and, and he won't follow in his timeline. Therefore, Judas is like, forget this, I'm done with this. And so he puts Jesus to the test. Either you're going uh, to do what I want you to do and you're going to become the king, you're going to become the Messiah, you're going to save the world, or either you're going to die and you're going to be no good anymore. And then what's so beautiful is in chapter 19. I told you I'd get there. It's 12.01. Jesus is hanging on the cross. 
They've gambled his clothes. They've picked on him. They've ridiculed. He's been beaten. And he's hanging there, and they're, they said, we need all these guys to be dead before the sun goes down. They need to be buried. They've been crucified. they got to go in the ground. and They've been given orders. The soldiers standing around the cross have been given orders to go break their legs of the three that are hanging on the cross of Jesus and then the, the two criminals beside him. He said, go break their legs so they'll go ahead and finish off and die. And they got to Jesus, and I don't know what possessed the soldier to do it, but I really thought about myself. And just to be honest, there's times in my life I've done the same thing. I know that my actions and my words and, and the way that I respond to situations have thrown a spear straight in the side of Jesus. You agree? I don't know what made the dude do it. He was told to break his legs. But to make sure he was dead, he slung a spear in Jesus' side. And we don't really understand. Doctors have tried to figure out why this took place. We don't even understand. They've got all these kind of rhyme or reason. I don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know why it happened. Carter, throw that scripture up there where it says that when they pierced his side. Keep going. Keep going. Hey, here's that word again. Nobody understands why blood and water flowed out of Jesus. If he was dead, it should have been blood. Then there's this all technical medical thing where if maybe if he had have accumulated some fluid around this part of his body and they pierced it the perfect spot, then it would have been some yellowish water that would have flowed out with the blood baloney. That don't matter. You know why I don't care? Because the point is, Jesus turned water into wine because he was full of an unseen love for the bride, the, the bridegroom. You with me? Then he talks to this Samaritan lady, and he says, Lady, that water that you're trying to draw out of that well ain't going to do a whole lot for you. And after that conversation, she left her water pot sitting on the well. She didn't need it anymore. And then we find Jesus there walking on the water, defining all odds, and he's defining gravity as he's walking on the very situation that are causing these disciples some problems. And then we find Jesus there, uh, and, and in chapter 7, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, As you receive me, he said, There's, there's a, liver, a river and mountains of living water that's going to burst and spring up out of, you, out of your heart. Your innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water. And then in chapter 13, he's there washing his disciples' feet, and he's so full of grace and unseen love. They have no idea what's taking place. And now he hangs on a cross, dead. And still what flows out of him is that same healing water. Water. You know what it did? That water covered the multitudes. That water was poured out for the last time for you and me that day. I've seen some pretty gory, graphic depictions of it. And you think about it. I know babies in the room. A human being, they've tried this with cadavers, with dead folks. 
He's hanging on a cross up in the air. Wind had to have been blowing to an extent. And they pierce his side. And when they do, blood and water begin to gush out of him. It's only natural that everybody around the cross got some of that nasty goriness on them. You with me? You agree? And so it really just tells me all I got to do is get close to the cross. <laughs> all I got to do is come to the cross. Because if I come to the cross, that water's bound to flow. And if I'm at the feet of the cross, if I'm there at the feet of Jesus, that water, I just need a sprinkle. We baptize with the full immersion of water. We believe that all I need, though, is just one speck of that holy water, that living water to fall on me. And just that one little drop of cleansing water from the side of Jesus is going to cleanse everything that's ever been in my life. And it's going to change me because what's so cool about it? I told you I won't go in there, but the end of the book, Jesus shows back up, <laughs> and he's having breakfast by the what? Water. And it's by the water that Peter, who denied him, who cursed him, said, I don't know that guy. It's by the water that he said, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, of course, Jesus. No, Peter. I said, do you love me? Yeah, Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Then build my church. By the water is where the church was planted. Huh. What water? The water that flowed out of the side of Jesus. I hope you never read God's, uh, John's gospel the same way again. I hope you understand there's always something underlying. There's always connections to be made. Today, it's real simple. The point is this. There's an unseen love that so often we don't see. Why? Because it's subtle. Jesus ain't about to force you into anything. He's not about to push us into anything. He's not going to come down on us and make us. I, we send ourselves to hell. Can we just be real? Jesus ain't sending nobody to hell. You ain't standing on a ledge and he's walking up behind you going to push you off. It ain't nothing like that. We send ourselves to hell because Jesus is standing with an unseen love with his arms wide open. And he said, I got something for you. And all your worry, all your care, all your problems, everything you're trying to draw out of that well, you've got an empty spot inside of you you're trying to fill, but the problem is you're dropping your own water pot into the well. And I'm trying to tell you, Jesus said, I'm right here just trying to tell you I've got some water. And if you'll drink my water, the water that was poured out for you, if you let it just get on you just a little bit, if you drink my water, you'd never thirst again. But it's an unseen love. And until we get to a place where we quit paying, we've got to get to the place we quit paying attention to what's around us. We can't see what's temporary. It's what's eternal. What what we started with this very passage that started this whole series he said we not look at the things that that are that we not focus on the flesh and blood the things that are seen but yet those things that are unseen because the things that are seen are temporary they're temporal but the things that are unseen are eternal this all comes back full circle and Jesus' love that he's trying to pull out for us is eternal and he's got a love for you and me
and is poured out in the water. The very thing that flowed out of his side is for you and me to receive grace and healing. And it's by the water that the church shall be built. Because the water that goes in is supposed to be the same water that out of my belly would spring up springs of holy living water. Eternal water. Father, I love you, Lord. God, your grace and your mercy are beyond anything that I'll ever understand or imagine. Holy Spirit, your wisdom and your knowledge, your direction, your guidance, your ministry is mind-boggling to me. Lord, this message is straight from you today. There's no way it could have been from me because all throughout this sermon, you've dropped tidbits in my heart. You've dropped tidbits in my mind, God, for your word, for, for your people to hear today. God, this isn't mine. It's all yours. Somebody needed to hear this word today. God, whether they're online or whether they're in the room, somebody needed to know your water is enough. They just need to take a drink. Your piercing was enough. They just need to get close enough to the cross to let it get on them just a little bit. Father, today, I simply pray if there's anyone in the room that don't know you, maybe they've strayed away from you, they're not in a relationship with you that's right, they've walked away, God, I pray today, Lord, that they would come to the cross. They come get close to the cross so that that water could flow down over them. Your grace and your love, Father. We got two different individuals, Peter and Judas. Both of them betrayed you. Both of them messed up. One of them took his own life because he never came back to you, God. But the other, Lord, it was on him that you built your church. We ain't got to be perfect. We ain't got to have it all together. We can really mess up, Lord. And as long as we come back and we get covered under that blood that's full of that water, that holy cleansing water that you want to pour out, God, and your blood covers that multitude of sin for us, and we make that relationship with you back right, we repent, Father. Lord, we can come back right into that relationship with you. Lord, I pray today if there's any in the room that need to make that relationship right with you, in the next few moments, God, you would move in them. You're in the room today. By looking around, don't embarrass anybody. Your relationship with Jesus is out of line. You've walked away, I promise, friend. He's not walked away from you. You walked away from him. And you want to make that relationship right today. It's there for you. Jesus is not picky about who he shares the water with. He don't care who you are, what you've done, what color you are, what nationality you are, how bad you, what, what you smell like, what you look like, what you talk like. He don't care. We've witnessed that all throughout this gospel. You need to make your relationship right with Jesus today. I want to ask that you just lift up your hand. Right where you are. Nobody looking around. Yes. Anybody else? Church, would you pray this prayer with me? I believe we all can do our first works again and we all can recommit our life today. Would you pray this prayer after me? Jesus, on this Resurrection Sunday, I recognize 
I need a Savior. I realize you're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You died, you were buried, and you're raised again. Now you're alive. You gave your life, and I want to give you mine. Forgive me, for I need a Savior. Make me new. From this day forward, I'll never be the same. I accept your unseen love. In the name of Jesus. Would you lift your hands up and just celebrate the risen King one more time today. Father, you're so good. Jesus, you are almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Today we celebrate, God, those that have come back to you, Lord, those that have come back into relationship with you, those that are coming back that are now covered by that water. God, I thank you, Lord, for those in the house today who prayed that prayer, who needed to pray that prayer, Lord. God, it's more than a prayer. It's a confession. It's believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth, God, that you are risen, that Jesus is risen from the grave and he's now alive. And now, Lord, let us come and sit by the water and be the church that you'd have us to be. Move in us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Lord, we come before you and we drink your water so that we never thirst again, God. We thank you for that satisfaction, that contentment, that, fi- that fulfillment within ourself, Lord. But the greater power, Lord, is the fact that you've called us now not only to drink that, but that we would let it flow out of us, that, that it would flow out of everything we do, everything that we say, everywhere that we go. Lord, that eternal, that, that river, that, that flowing of, the, of life water, God, the living water of eternity would flow out of us, God, and pour on everybody around us. Keep us close to the cross, Lord. Let us be convicted, Holy Spirit, to stay close to the cross so that we be covered by the blood and the water today. Father, I thank you for this beautiful time together. I thank you for your word, Holy Spirit. I thank you for ministering to us today. Lord, there's needs that are represented in the house. Some... God, that are unspoken, some that have been made known. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, right now, move in every one of those situations. Those that need a physical touch, God, those that are dealing with things emotionally, God, and mentally, and God, those that are spiritually distant from you, Father, I pray that you would move in their situations. God, those that are struggling, God, that need financial provision and financial blessing, God, I pray, God, as we are faithful to you, Lord, that you continue to be faithful to us. You've never let me down. You've never made me beg for bread, God, but you've always provided moving us today. I thank you, Lord. Father, and as we go, I pray that you would bless your people. Keep them, God. Let your face shine on them. Give them grace and peace. Turn your countenance toward them, Lord. Make them glad today. Let them be full of your joy. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen and amen.